Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today on CityCast Boise... We know that more of our neighbors are forced to live on the streets these days. But could the solution to this crisis be closer than we think? Reporter Rachel Spachek with the Idaho Statesman shares lessons from Reno, a city that's found a way to move 500 people into housing and fast. It's Thursday, January 18th. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is what Boise's talking about. Rachel, good to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Rachel, you did this great story recently in the Idaho Statesman, uh, which is why you're having you on today. Um, You've been doing a bunch of reporting about uh, Boise's housing situation and how to get unhoused people off the streets in particular. Tell me about this most recent story you did, though, where you compared us to a city in our region and their very different approach to homelessness um, and how it compares to Boise. Yeah. So um, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal um, a little while ago about Reno, Nevada and their um, approach and their model to getting um, unhoused people off the streets. It sounds like based on what I've read from local journalists in the area that it kind of all came to a head during the pandemic. There was just one um typical standard shelter in Reno um, and lots of unhoused people. And so the city, in partnership with the county that they um, are in, used federal COVID emergency funds to um, basically build this 600 bed tent. So like a giant Hmm. tent shelter Hmm. and also independent sleeping pods. So Um, You know, for people who don't want uh, to live in a standard homeless shelter, they have these independent sleeping pods where people can basically live independently, but use um, sinks and other things that the uh, county and city provide. So I've never been to Reno. Uh, I think you have. But tell me about tell me about the demographics of Boise and Reno. Do you feel like this is a good comp that the Wall Street Journal compared these two cities? And then you, of course, did a story because you feel like the the demographics are similar. The size of the cities are similar. But are the housing, the unhoused populations also similar? Yeah. So I actually went to college in Reno. So I do have a bit of (laughs) on the ground experience. (laughs) Um, And even going to school there just a few years ago, the city was dealing with a kind of large unhoused population. I think it was back then similar to what Boise is dealing with now, you know, not a huge population that it feels unmanageable at that point. But you know, it's starting to be visible. And, um, you know, there are definitely people um, living on the streets. But um, based on a point in time count, which um, 
every year, once a year around this time of year, um, volunteers go out and try to count homeless people. And it's often lower than the actual amount of homeless people. But um, in Hmm. 2022, Reno had 780 unhoused people and Ada County um, had 687. So there's about 100 people difference. But um, I think it is safe to compare just based on the city and kind of the region. So that's why I thought it was um, interesting to compare. And overall population, um, Reno is about 269,000 and Boise is about 237,000, 240,000. So similar, I think similar cities and it's kind of a comparable city. Yeah, yeah. Recent housing boom and all of that stuff. Um, People moving to these cities, these kind of mid-sized cities in the West. Mm -hmm. Okay, independent sleeping pods. Can you go into that a little more? Like just like this, this sounds so fascinating. Yeah. So it's a tiny home and no roommates. Like you just kind of live on your own. It's basically like a bed, a little bit of your own space. um, And they're kind of like independent. So yeah, they look like when you look at them, they look like tiny homes or even like trailers. Um, But it's really good for people who have previous trauma or are even new to homelessness that don't feel comfortable in a large 600 bed shelter. You know, it's really good for them because they are safe and secure. And also, um, you know, they have resources like sinks and that kind of stuff. So it sounds like it's really useful to people. Um, And in my story, I cited a, anecdote about someone who is living in in, in one of those independent pods. This man said that he couldn't stay in a group shelter because he's immunocompromised. Um, And so this safe camp is kind of where the independent sleeping pods are and it's a private space, but he can still, you know, be safe and out of the weather. Hmm. So just to be clear, Reno is doing both this, these sleeping pods, these independent uh, homes, essentially, for folks in com- combination mm-hmm. with a more congregant sleeping area as well. So it's not like everybody's getting one yes. of these independent pods. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this sounds kind of promising or, or effective. Is it, has it, how effective has it been for Reno? Yeah, so that was kind of the reason for the Wall Street Journal story. Um, It was basically that this model has proved successful. For Reno, it's gotten 500 homeless people off the street since 2021. So that's a lot of people. Yeah, and um, so far, I think it sounds like they had some hurdles in the beginning with just kind of implementing the model. Um, I think they had lower staffing than they had ultimately needed and um, some issues with the bathroom not being at capacity. But it sounds like those have all been solved and they are continuing to try to get people off the streets and into either the tents or the sleeping pods. Okay, so you saw this article in the Wall Street Journal. You were interested in finding out more about what Reno was doing, but then also whether Boise officials might be interested in emulating Reno when you pose that question to officials uh, at the city, what did they say? It sounds like they're not interested in pursuing this kind of model. Yeah, you know, I'm reading national news all the time or other local news and thinking, especially when it's based on housing, um, I'm thinking about how I can bring that to Boise and make that a statesman story. And 
So I know that the city of Boise is really being thoughtful in recent years, maybe since Lauren McLean became mayor of trying to address the unhoused population and affordable housing. And so I thought that would be an interesting question to see if the city of Boise is thinking about this kind of model. And basically they said no. Um, short answer, uh, <laughs> they were worried about um, the expenses and, you know, they say that whatever the city would put in financially to large shelter like this would take away from what they're really focused on, which is permanent housing, permanent affordable housing. And so that's kind of where the models um, that Reno is doing and that Boise is thinking about doing differ. You know, Boise is really thinking about how do we get people not necessarily into shelters, but into homes that they can live in and eventually live independently in. So that's basically what the city told me is they're, they are supportive of the shelter services we have here, which is um, the Interface Sanctuary, obviously, Boise Rescue Mission and Catch, which, um, you know, kind of points people to resources that they may need. So the city is supportive of them, but they are not necessarily thinking about themselves funding um, an additional shelter or something like that. Yeah, it's so interesting because, of course, when any any city finds any glimmer of hope in the very dark, dark corners, which is homelessness in America, like it's understandable that other cities are interested in at least looking into what they're doing seeing if it can apply at all to uh, a particular um, city's situation. And it yeah. does seem like, I mean, to be fair, I suppose in Reno, this model's pretty new. So it's not as though there's, yeah. you know, a 20-year track record to know, are these folks, these 500 folks who've been off the street because of this, are they going to long-term be off the street? Is this a short-term fix? But on the other hand, um, I think it'd be I think it's interesting that city officials, at least so far, saying no to something like this, that that at least seems to be uh, giving relief to folks who are experiencing homelessness today, you know, in Reno. Yeah. And um, in the statement that the city provided me, communications manager provided me, she was a little bit critical of the Reno model. You know, she said this particular type of shelter encampment is expensive, does not or does not always provide plumbing, electricity and has mixed results regarding effectiveness. So I think valid concerns. But if you do the research um, on what's happening in Reno, they did maybe have some of these problems um, originally, but it seems like at least now, like you mentioned, it's not we don't have a ton of years of data to look at, but it seems like they've overcome these challenges and their model has taken 500 people off the streets um, and into shelter. Boise's housing first approach, it's obviously something, as you mentioned, uh, Mayor Lauren McLean has championed and now she's in her second term. Uh, it seems like voters at mm -hmm. least are in, in because of the fact that they voted her in for a second term, at least generally approve of that idea. Is it effective? Yeah. So the city really, um, I think in the last year, has really buckled down on trying to um, focus on building low-income permanent homes. Um, 
So and their goal is to fund almost a little bit over a thousand of these homes. And the ways that they're doing this is kind of interesting. Um, You know, they're donating land to developers to try to get the costs down and therefore translate that into keeping rents low. So they're trying to be thoughtful and they want to expand some of the permanent supportive housing that we do have at New Path and Ballard Point. And for people who don't know, they are apartments for homeless people. And then they also include resources like health care and counseling to specifically chronically homeless people. And those um, two supportive housing um, apartments that we have now, I've heard they're at capacity. You know, people aren't necessarily hmm. um, leaving them and, and getting into to, um, additional or housing, the next step of housing. So um, the city really wants to boost that. Um, the city is also really focused on, I think they call it affordable housing, um, which is dedicated to people earning 60% or below area median income, which I've done another story on this. That is, you know, really good for your teachers or, um, you know, nurses or people who are making consistent income, but can't necessarily afford the high rents that we're seeing in Boise. So that's really useful for them, but it's not necessarily useful for a person making 30% or below area median income, which, you know, they can afford $500 or $600 maximum of rent. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like there's this gap between these two segments of the population and the uh, the housing that's available to them in Boise today. Yeah, definitely. And I talked to um, Jody Peterson for a different story. She runs Interfaith Sanctuary about if these, quote, affordable housing options that the city is pushing, if these will help people who are, you know, living right now in Interfaith Sanctuary who could make anywhere from uh, $0 um, to you know, a couple thousand. um, And she kind of said no. And there is, in fact, this gap. And it was really interesting talking to her. She pitched an idea that I can't help but draw similarities to this Reno model of more of a um, communal living or a dorm style um, housing for people who might be in shelters or struggling um, with uh, homelessness right now. So they can have a roof over their head, but it isn't, you know, an independent living situation where they have to pay a thousand dollars in rent. So, yeah, Mm. there's definitely seems to be a discrepancy between what the city deems as affordable and then what homeless people can actually afford eventually. Okay, so obviously uh, the last week or so has been really cold, snowy. Uh, We've really been getting winter weather in Boise. And for people who are unsheltered, that can be incredibly dangerous. And I know uh, before this Reno article, you did some reporting on Catch. Um, First off, remind us what Catch is and what you heard from outreach workers about winter conditions and how, how scary that can be for people who don't have regular shelter. 
Yeah. So CATCH stands for Charitable Assistance to Communities Homeless. Um, and it's a nonprofit. They provide resources and assistance to homeless people in the form of case management or even blankets um, in this cold weather we're experiencing, water bottles in the really hot summers that we are starting to experience in Boise. So um, they also are kind of an intake um, center where they point people who call in the direction of um, whatever resources they may need. So if they need shelter, they'll point them to Interfaith. If they need, um, if they're going through an eviction, they will point them to Jesse Tree, which helps with eviction. So they're kind of a catch all, if you will, um, for the homeless community. And what I did last month is I rode along with one of these outreach workers to really understand on the ground what they're doing um, and specifically what they are offering and what they're seeing in the unhoused community in the winter. And uh, what I saw was lots of people um particularly living in their cars that, you know, aren't running, um, RVs that aren't don't have hookups or things like that. So they're really just kind of utilizing these vehicles for shelter. And, you know, we've people who, like you said, middle income, when we go out to our cars parked outside, you know, we know that they are freezing cold. So people living in those are obviously not um, as comfortable as possible. So on on my um, outreach ride along, um, outreach workers were giving hot coffees, um, warm food to people living in their cars. Really, they just kind of approach people and try to understand what they need because people generally are slow to trust um, as humans are. And, you know, sometimes maybe one day they'll accept a warm cup of coffee and then the next day blankets and coats. And then um, maybe the next day after that, they'll have a conversation about how to get out of homelessness. But that's really what these outreach workers do is um, connect with unhoused people and understand their situations and, you know, ask them what they need from the workers. Hmm. Yeah, I think about this this moment in Boise's history with our our housing uh, crisis and our homelessness crisis, and I use the word crisis, and sometimes you hear that and it just like goes right, you know, one ear out the other. But it it is an emergency for anyone who's in this situation, and sometimes it doesn't always feel like that um, when we're hearing about different approaches or we're taking a step back and, and uh, you know, as reporters and as people are reading the news, um, it's hard to always feel that urgency. But for anyone who's listening and thinking, how can I help? Because this feels kind of hopeless a little bit, or at least like there's so many questions and, and uh, not many answers that are solid yet. What would you suggest? What resources uh, should people be aware of and what, where can people donate or help? Catch is accepting and encouraging people to donate winter items. They're specifically looking for warm socks, glove hats, scarves, hand warmers, sleeping bags, waterproof coats, um, long johns. And so, you know, our classic winter gear, they are looking for them and seeking donations. And you can bring those items if you have um, any of those laying around to their Boise office on Americana Boulevard. You can also donate financially to Catch and that will help them with these case management things and with 
helping fund the homeless outreach team. Yeah. And I think really what I got from my interview and reporting on this is um, it is a crisis, especially since from Catch, I'm learning that the homeless population in Boise is a lot, you know, trending toward more elderly. And a lot of the people have mental health or physical health challenges that just really stack up when you don't have a roof over your head. And in the winter, um, you know, that just makes things a lot more difficult because it's harder to move around. I kind of understand the situation as a crisis, um, especially during the winter and extreme other extreme weather patterns that we see in Boise, which is also the summer um, that just complicates the issue further. Rachel, thank you so much for keeping your eye on this really important story and for doing all this reporting and for coming on to tell us about it. Thank you. Always happy to talk about it. Thanks for listening to CityCast Boise. For more of our housing coverage, go to boise.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our Friday Digest of the week's news. See you then.